Okay, so Chelsea, there was a fairly important election in Brazil that happened in the last few weeks. Okay. Uh, Lula da Silva versus Bolsonaro. Sounds I, like a fight. They have, yeah, it does. And honestly, if you go listen to their like debates, it's literally just insulting each other. So it was pretty great, especially if you listen to it with the dubs, because, you know, I don't speak any Portuguese. So it doesn't help me to just see somebody <laughs> yeah, yelling that's, profusely. That's true. It is quite nice sometimes, though, to just hear yeah. yelling in other languages. And yeah, Lula came out, which is great news for the Amazon rainforest. But I learned something I had no idea about before this while I was learning about Brazil. Chelsea, have you ever heard of the Confederados? No. Okay. This Sounds this is dangerous. going to be... A, it does. It's a very weird subgroup in Brazil. And I have found an article on it. I can't tell you the title just because it kind of gives it away. Okay. It was posted on history.com on June 22nd, 2020. And it, it's about the U.S. Civil War of all things. So by the time the Civil War ended in 1865, much of the South laid in ruins, physically, economically, and socially. Fears of Yankee reprisal and racial conflict percolated through society. Enslaved people had been freed. Confederate President Jefferson Davis was imprisoned. For William H. Norris, a former Alabama state senator and staunch Confederate, it was all too much to bear. Rather than rejoin the United States, he and his son traveled to southeastern Brazil in late 1865 and purchased about 500 acres of rolling hills and reddish soil that reminded them of Alabama. They then bought three enslaved workers, planted cotton, sent for the rest of the family, and proceeded to live as if the Confederacy had not collapsed. The Norris family was not alone in their desire to avoid Yankee rule. In the decade after the Civil War, roughly 10,000, and I've seen this number anywhere from 3,000 to 40,000, Southerners left the United States with the majority going to Brazil, where slavery was still legal. Though hardships prompted most to come right back, descendants of the so-called Confederados maintain a presence in Brazil even today. Amid the post-Civil War chaos, several countries tried to entice Southerners largely for political and agricultural reasons. In Mexico, for example, Emperor Maximilian I, soon to be executed before a firing squad, awarded land in tax breaks and hired Confederate oceanographer Matthew Fontaine Mori to be his Imperial Commissioner of Immigration. The best incentives, however, came from Brazilian Emperor Dom Pedro II, a Confederate ally who had sheltered and supplied Southern ships during the Civil War. He offered land to the Confederados for as little as 22 cents an anchor, and subsidized their transport to Brazil, provided temporary lodging upon arrival, and promised them quick citizenship, and at times even personally greeted them as they disembarked. Much of the Southern media opposed the exodus, as did Robert E. Lee, who believed all efforts should go towards rebuilding the South, but Dom Pedro counterattacked by taking out advertisements in U.S. newspapers. Meanwhile, pro-colonization Southerners produced glowing reports that portrayed Brazil as a tropical paradise. Of course, when they got there, it was nothing like what they had been told. Dom Pedro seemingly had two main motives for luring in the Confederados, the first of which was agricultural. He saw these people as bringing new technologies and new abilities in farming to Brazil, which in fact they did. What a target market. Yeah. A specific market will bring it to Brazil. Yeah. And it's because Brazil didn't outlaw slavery for another, I think, about 30 years after the Confederacy fell. So they just moved there and continued their practice. And they basically said, these people know how to run slaves. So let's just get them to run our farms. What a terrifying article. And they brought with them watermelons and pecans into their new country, along with state-of-the-art plows. 
Furthermore, it was public policy in Brazil to whiten society by bringing in Europeans and European-descended Americans. At the time, slavery remained legal in Brazil, which over the course of its history imported more than 10 times as many enslaved people as the United States. In fact, it did not ban the practice until 1888, becoming the last country in the Western Hemisphere to do so. Sorry, I was a little bit off on that 30 years, but it was a lot longer still. And in 1865, they didn't even have an abolitionist movement in Brazil. So I found that crazy that that happened. And Chelsea, I just need you to Google image search Confederado Brazil Festival. Oh no, I want to. Yeah, it's just so bizarre to see. Confederado. Brazil wow. Festival. Oh no, those are kids. And that is modern day. This is something that still lives on to this day. These people have what? descendants who are still practicing things and dressing up as Confederate soldiers. What's up with South America and like the Nazis went there? <laughs> the yeah, there's a there. lot of German towns and Japanese people. I still need to learn more about the Southern Japanese, but um, there, there's a whole thing with that too. Just goes on. It just gets more bizarre as I get older. What's going on in South America? And this <laughs> is something. This is so, this is terrifying. I just found it so crazy that I was learning about Brazil during the election, and this is something that I learned about. <laughs> I never so I actually had to thought that what happened to the people that didn't want to outlaw slavery. Yeah. Of course, they're going to go because where- Because they were basically, I wouldn't say colonized, but the North basically came in and watched them with a fine tooth comb. There's a few things that, about their culture that really take on that security level that they had, or I guess yeah. watchman level that they had over them. And some of them just said, nah, nah, I really like that slave situation and we're going to be treated like shit here. So let's just go to Brazil. Yeah. And yeah, they wanted to, they wanted to whitewash the country. So they were on the same page. It's kind they of- They were all horrifying. for it. Yeah. yeah this is- I'm 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 speechless. I'm speechless. Yeah. So um, with that, everybody, please go Google Confederado Brazil festivals and look at those pictures that come up. Like it is bizarre. It is really bizarre, and there's a lot of kid pictures dressed up in garb. I guess we could call it. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, I think we can start the episode. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, the place where animals get freaky, at least from an investigatory point of view. We are your creepy animal behavior talking people, Taylor and Chelsea, here today talking about some cryptids. Now, it has been a long time in the making, so I actually can't remember. It is a Chelsea episode and I can't remember what her topic is. So I'm going to let her take it over from here. You got what you said right, so that's a start. Yeah. <laughs> so don't go any further. Yeah. Let everybody who's listening, as well as Taylor, who's also listening in on what my episode is about. I thought it was about time for another Moth Person episode. It's not by popular demand. It's just by my demand, because I quite enjoy a good Moth Person episode. You're drawn to it like a Moth Person to a flame. Light, yes. Any yes. any light. It could be any light. Uh, and I love that person. I know in my previous Mothman episode, Moth Person episode, excuse me. 
It was the Chicago variety. I mentioned that there was a huge amount of sightings in the Lake Michigan area. Apparently not just of the moth person variety. I also learned that there's a lot of strange and unusual happenings going on in the area, including flying humanoids, but also UFOs and orbs and things. Like just crazy stuff in particular going on. There's also like a Lake Michigan triangle they have. I tried to listen to a podcast on it, but they're boring. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to show that so- out. <laughs> I'm so upset that like the triangle is the only paranormal shape unless you kind of get into the like Saturn death cult or the past Saturn's rings kind of group, which then hexagon kind of becomes a paranormal shape. But outside of that, it's just triangles. If you want to talk about any other shapes, you're shit out of luck. It's true. They should make it more interesting, like by changing it up and stuff like that. I mean, there's a pentagram, but you never hear is that referred to as a spooky. No, I've I've never heard of the Alaskan pentagram unless you're talking about those gays that go to the park. And sorry, I I use that very (laughs) slurry, but please go back and listen to Satan panic panic at the daycare to kind of get that reference plus it's a complicated shape so yeah it has many triangles in it yeah we have to think something more naturally occurring like the i don't think squares are naturally occurring oh sometimes they are in like rock formations yeah that's neither here also triangles don't really naturally occur anywhere that's true as well except in mysterious places yeah maybe that's the thing you know what no it is the least amount of work because you only have to find three connecting locations that's true or you could find one and just circle back <laughs> or just but no if it. you're gonna go for any <laughs> other shape like to get to get a surface area you need three points minimum and everybody's just putting in the minimum work no you could circle it a city that's paranormal that's the minimum yeah but then even then they're gonna they're gonna find a triangle in that city where all the paranormal shit happens that's true but then I, I guess we're getting away <laughs> and from and it's because the, the triangle's the most paranormal shape of course because it's the most powerful Obviously. shape. <laughs> yes, it is. And the pointiest of shapes. <laughs> the most dangerous. Because there's so many points. Okay, so not only did I learn a little something about triangles just now, but I also learned a little something while I was doing my research about geography in my research in this episode, which is, <laughs> as much as I shouldn't admit this, is that Chicago is directly on Lake Michigan. So technically included in the Lake Michigan moth person phenomenon. Hey, it's confusing. Why do they, there's a, there's a Lake Ontario in there too. Why do that? In the Great Unless Lake. it's fully in Ontario. <laughs> No, it's not included. It's just like the Lake Michigan area. Yeah, which is what Chicago's on. Lake Michigan. Yeah. It, it's stupid. We we do terrible that. jobs with our geography in Western society. Yeah. And naming stuff. Sometimes I'm okay at it. Yeah. The ones that really piss me off, actually, sorry, just I need to go on a naming tangent. Okay. When you name something new and you also use another adjective inside there, like New Westminster. What just call it New Minster. <laughs> You don't need two adjectives in there. Yes, you do. No. And then there's New South Wales. Like, no, you don't need that. Just New Wales. <laughs> it's South and West Minster. I never thought about that before. It bothers me so much that there isn't a New Minster, but there's a New Westminster. <laughs> Anyhow, keep, go ahead. Okay, anyhow, that's why I was finding the same sightings uh, for this original research, I guess. But don't fret, I have new and exciting sightings for you. That was, that sounded weird together, exciting sightings. And just so you know, the Chicago O'Hare sightings are still going strong. Just in case you're wondering, they're still happening. 
Also, as a repeat, if you've listened to the previous episode, shout out to the awesome sources I went back to for these encounters, UFO Clearinghouse, as well as Phantoms and Monsters. So let's jump in. The first sighting I have is from a retired Milwaukee Fire Department slash medical services officer in reference to a fire rescue they were doing in Milwaukee. So the Northwestern Mutual South Building in downtown Milwaukee was evacuated on the morning of Wednesday, November 26, 2014, after smoke entered the the building. Location was at 720 East Wisconsin Ave around 8 a.m. and that triggered alarms to the Milwaukee Fire Department. Later that day during the early evening a fire slash medical services call was made at the same location. Window washer employee was trapped near the top of the Northwestern Mutual building. The witness was the lead officer. He and another officer made their way to the top of the building. After they ascended to the top of the building the witness noticed movement on top of the U.S. Bank Center building at 777 East Wisconsin Ave, approximately a half block away from their location. At first he thought it was just another person on top of the adjacent building, but soon realized that this being had large wings. At the time it was early dusk, but enough ambient light was available in order to get a good description. He also noticed green goggles over the eyes. Later realized that this humanoid had bright green light emanating from the eyes. Body was dark in color with a slight built body standing approximately six feet. As the witness and his partner watched, the winged humanoid unfurled its wings to a span of over 12 feet and without flapping, slowly ascended into the air. So wait, it has wings, but it doesn't actually need the wings? Yeah. I believe okay. that came up in the last episode as well. Yeah, and I got caught off guard. I didn't do a re-listen, I gotta say. I just listened to it recently, actually, and I can't recall the reason. And that's where this episode came from. But that you see both, where they're actually using the wings and where they're not using the wings. The witness remarked how it flew effortlessly with its wings extended to the full width. It soon glided out of sight. That one? Super creepy. I decided this one makes the cut because of the eye thing. The green goggles over the eyes, but then he realized that he had bright green light emanating from the eyes. You imagine? No, I can't even. That actually reminds me of the first boss in Turtles in Time for the Super Nintendo. Like, it's that bug guy and he's got the green goggles on. Oh, yeah, I remember that guy. I think that's who I've been picturing when I was picturing this guy. Okay. (laughs) Be honest. Okay, next sighting. This one's going back to July 2006 on the 15th or 16th, if you were wondering. And the witness and her husband were in the process of moving from Milwaukee, Wisconsin to a small area between Whitewater and Eagle View, I assume is Wisconsin. It was about 9.30 p.m. and there is a bright full moon in a clear sky. Nothing good ever happens at this full moon. No clouds in the sky. We were traveling down Highway 59 East, past Eagle, turning onto Road X. Obviously, she didn't want to name the road, unless there's a Road X. <laughs> Somewhat desolate stretch. Thin band of trees are on each side of the road with open fields behind them. This area is about 18 miles approximately east of Whitewater, located between Eagle and North Prairie, Wisconsin. My husband was driving, his two young children in the back seat, I believe asleep, suddenly swooping over the trees on our left, lowering down in front of the car windshield, and upwards again over the treetops to our right, gliding in a slow ascent over the field, is what I would describe as a man with bat-like features flying like a bat. Perhaps why she would say bat-like features. This creature was as real as you and I are. We had a very close look up at it. It was long, six to seven feet in length. I say length because it was flying sideways, looking into the car. Ugh. 
That's so creepy. Much like doing the side stroke. It was dark gray, very leathery skin, one wing kind of tucked into its side, one facing the ground, and the other flapping while it flew. Okay, phew. It's both, not flapping and flapping. Wing was huge and exactly like bats. What got me the most were the eyes. They were very round. The whites would be looked Ryumi? Best way to describe I have never seen this word in my life. R H U E M Y. Is that a word? R H U. Sorry, what? R H U E M Y. I'm pretty sure that's not a word. Oh, it is. Watery. That's disgusting. Okay, we, we learned another thing. Chicago's on Lake Michigan and room. How would you say that? Ryumi. Sorry, I'm not, I just went to the Google. I don't have the Oxford one up, which would show me how to say it. It's really weird that this specific dictionary sentence example has roomy eyes. Yeah, that's what mine says, too. Roomy. Roomy. Roomy, roomy yeah. yeah. There we go. Like rheumatoid arthritis, yeah. <laughs> okay, so its eyes were looked roomy. The best way to describe it, that they must have been super close to be able to notice that. The irises were of a very pale blue. I was not afraid. I was astounded, amazed, and even excited. My husband was shook up and would not stop when I asked him to. The kids were in the car. Would you stop? He, wait, she asked him to stop? Yeah. Would you stop? I mean, only if they had room. <laughs> huh? <laughs> huh? No, please don't stop. Yeah, no, I don't know that I would stop. I'd either speed up or slow down. If the thing slowed down with me, I'd probably speed up again. I mean... She had full autonomy probably to at least roll down her window if she wanted to. <laughs> True. Could you imagine, though, if your passenger rolled down the window with them flying next to the car? <laughs> <laughs> I would be a little terrified. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Maybe he wants to say something. I don't know. I need to see. <laughs> and you're not pulling over. <laughs> oh, this is giving me the creeps. Okay, so she goes on. I hope this will also bring more people forward who have seen this mystery creature or other creatures as well, perhaps. I was reading recently online of a woman in Minot, Wisconsin, who in about 1960 also had seen a creature of this description. I noticed that some who have witnessed this compare it to the creature from the movie Jeepers Creepers. There are definitely similarities. I have never seen the movie prior to my sighting. And Lon Strickler gives a note on this sighting. He says it was on the edge of the Kettle Moraine Low Prairie State Natural Area. The pale blue eyes and the sideways flight using one wing is quite interesting. Out of all the sightings I've received over the years, these characteristics are unique. So that's another one. So these moth people that look like bats have been working on their flying tricks. Yeah, obviously. This one didn't move his wings, which probably takes some work. Like a lot of work and probably concentration. And then the other one only moved one of its wings. He tucked it in. He did a fancy move with the other wing. No, I, yeah, I thought the one on the bottom was like flapping and the one on top was tucked in. One on the bottom was tucked in. I think the other one. Oh, okay. Well, what it was flapping, yeah. One on the top. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they're, they've been around for so long that they're training do like new and unique things to scare people i guess okay so next one april 13 2018 at about 10 to 10 30 p.m you are parked in the parking lot next to redacted which is right off of redacted i do not wish to discuss 
I do not wish to discuss what we were parked there for. Suffice to say, it's a dark place to park at night. My boyfriend looked up and totally freaked out when he says he saw a large pair of glowing red eyes staring back at him. I looked up and saw something standing in front of my car with two glowing red eyes. It made a sound of chirping that we heard when we turned down the radio. When we moved, it put what looked like a hand on the hood of the car, and then we saw what looked like wings spread wide open. I panicked and turned on the car, which automatically turned on my headlights, and it lit up what looked like a large bat. It had black skin that looked like glossy, wet leather that shined in the light. It screamed at us, pushing its head out and its arms back, then flew up into the air. You can hear the wings flapping as it jumped up, and within a few seconds, it landed behind my car, its body still able to be seen when I pressed the brakes and the brake lights shined. The bus were screaming at this point when it flew back up into the air and landed about six feet from the passenger side door where my boyfriend sat. We wasted no time in trying to get out of there. As we backed up and whipped the car around, we saw it land in front of us. <laughs> we saw it land in front of us to the side of the car about three feet away. I honked <laughs> Sorry. I can't stop thinking about that woman rolling down her window on the left. <laughs> We wasted no time trying to get out of there. As we backed up and whipped the car around, we saw it land in front of us, the side of the car about three feet away. I honked my horn and turned on my brights, and it screamed again and flew up into the air. We screeched on to Redacted and headed toward, I think it was Redacted. My boyfriend says he saw it land again just off the road on his side of the car. Did not stop to investigate and floored the car to get out of there. Well, obviously. We got onto Redacted and were passing the apartment buildings when we saw something fly right over our car, lower than the lamp post, screaming as it flew out of sight. Oh, this one's screaming as it flew. We got to my house and stayed in the car for about 15 to 20 minutes. I was hysterical and crying and my boyfriend was shaken up. It took me another 30 minutes to get myself together and go drop off my boyfriend and drive myself back home. I have had repeated nightmares since then and it's been difficult to sleep without the closet light on. My boyfriend also says he has nightmares. I hope you believe me and that you don't think I'm crazy. Could have been a large bird like some people say it might have been. I know whatever it was must have been intelligent. I just have the feeling that tells me so. Yeah, a large bird probably wouldn't follow your car home. No, it definitely. Well, I've never had that happen at least. No. I don't think a bird would want to do that. And it doesn't normally scream at you. So, Long contacted the witness and received the following additional information. He says, I estimate it stood about 7 feet tall and the wingspan has to be about 7 to 8 feet or more wide. I almost got the feeling like it was toying with us. It knew we were scared shitless and it toyed with that by scaring us even further. As far as physical reactions, it took me a few hours to finally get back to somewhat normal. I threw up twice just from jitters and I had a feeling like I was being watched even though the curtains were closed. Currently, I still feel like I'm being watched, almost like I'm marked in some way. Last night was the first night I slept without the lights being on and it took me about an hour and a half to finally fall asleep. It puts me off to wanting to go out at night anymore even though I have to in order to finish college by July. Third note, we've been out to that same spot countless times previous and this is the first time we've seen the thing. So that's the next one. That one's terrifying. Yeah, that one's terrible, especially the after notes that she felt like she still feels like she's being watched. Yeah, of course, that could be a sign of trauma. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably be terrified after seeing It's kind of like people who come to. home with PTSD and they feel like they're still in the war That's zone. That's true. Like, constantly. That's true. That would do that to you. 
This one, witness who goes by J.E., experienced two separate encounters with cryptid-winged entities near her residence in Mineral Point, Wisconsin, located in Iowa County in the southwest area of the state. J.E.'s first encounter occurred during an afternoon in spring 2019. A.E. had been feeling spiritually vulnerable and attempting to improve her personal protection with the archangels Michael and Raphael. At the end of the breezeway that extended from her front room, there was a window in which J.E. would use to access the flat roof. As she approached and looked out of the window, she observed two crouching beings with feathered wings facing the large St. Mary's and St. Paul's Catholic Church a few blocks behind her apartment building at 224 Davis Street. These beings seemed to be arguing with each other. Both of the figures were stone gray in color and solid like concrete. J.E. immediately thought that these were representations of St. Michael and St. Raphael. As she continued watching, they stood up to a height of 7 to 8 feet but seemed to be fading in and out of a non-corporal slash corporal state. They then fully extend their wings to a span of 10 feet or so and flew off towards the Catholic Church. Second encounter took place in the autumn of 2019 while J.E. was walking her dogs late at night between 1 to 2 a.m. local time. She was in an alleyway near her residence heading towards High Street, the main thoroughfare in this small town. She soon noticed small lights or orbs descending around her. As she approached the steps near the Mineral Point Opera House at 139 High Street, her attention was drawn to what she described as a large gargoyle-like entity perched on top of the buildings across the street. Being's claws were extended off the edge and the massive feathered wings were unfurled to a span of 20 to 25 feet. The entity was solid gray in color with a heavy girthed body face was described as a cross between a bulldog and a lion with pointed ears and a long snout but having a snub nose okay that sounds like a bat yeah je what it does doesn't it he watched the being for two minutes or so after its dark eyes seemed to focus his gaze on her then stood up and displayed a very tall body with wings fully extended it began to move off the edge in an attempt to descend but disappeared into the ether after the initial shock of encountering this impressive wing creature, J.E. was thankful for the opportunity to observe it. She recalled her trips to Paris and Notre Dame, stating that this being looked like a real-life gargoyle. Those ones I find really interesting because they don't really fit into the other sightings, even that I've read so far. Yeah, and it is weird that this person saw the exact same kind of winged cryptid twice. Because, like, there are so many different varieties of, like, shapes, sizes, colors, eyes, wings that it can come yes. in that she saw the exact same one twice. It also makes you wonder Pretty because much. in her initial sighting, it's, she's trying to summon or, like, summon for protection, like, angels. And she sees it in a very religious context. So I also wonder if it's not her perception. Influencing the Yeah, view. her perception yeah. influencing what she's seeing. Because they also have winged, feathered wings. <laughs> I yeah. was about to say winged wings. Yeah, that could influence her memory for sure. I don't know if that's what you were going for. But that could definitely influence what she would see. Yeah, I'm thinking so. So that's why I wanted to put this one. Because it's just a little bit different than the other encounters. Next one, which is a brief one. February 25th, 2019, I received a telephone call from an eyewitness, NV, who stated that she had observed a winged being in the early morning around 5.30 a.m. near Darien, Wisconsin. NV was traveling west on Creek Road on her way to work. As she approached the Turtle Creek Bridge, she observed a large winged being that she described as a flying witch. 
being was at a treetop altitude and was gliding in her direction. It was early dawn, but enough light available for Envy to make out a form. Winged beings suddenly descended towards Envy's car and barely missed colliding with the hood. Envy described that that being's wingspan was much wider than her car and that the body was a brownish color like a paper bag. Body looked feminine and slight. The wings were bat-shaped and very large. She never noticed the wings flapping. The speed in which it descended was not natural. Face was unremarkable, almost blank. Envy noted that she swerved and almost hit the guardrail. Envy did not notice where the wing being flew after the encounter. Envy is of Hispanic descent and stated that the being looked very similar to a witch that was described to her as a child. Envy was quite upset and worried that she may encounter this being in the future and the sighting yeah completely different completely, completely different. different and also i pick and choose these so well yeah but i like a mannequin face basically like kind of has features but pretty blank yeah that's what she described wow. i know and like just a completely different color and feminine like nobody has described as feminine yeah uh, and which like seeing like what like none of these yeah. encounter i mean that's a different culture though I'm but she sure. also again you brought this up on the last one which i find interesting on this one as well she brought up her cultural background to describe what she was seeing yeah. so it's oh that's true <laughs> well that's what something uh, that you so find... i don't know if they're interpreting they go into seeing this weird thing they get a little shocked and their memory gets distorted based on their cultural background or if based on strong belief the much more bizarre version of that and much way less evidence behind it would be whatever entity is doing this is taking on the form of what the person they want them to see wants to see them would be able oh, to extrapolate from one. their cultural that's background. a good point i was gonna say that i didn't even think of that point which is but there's no no evidence at all to that side it's just speculation completely. yes but that's a really good yeah, point on the with. other side of the spectrum of that. And I guess you could say if somebody's seeing a dog, I guess they would probably describe it based on their own personal background and experiences as well. Um, not everyone's going to come up with the same exact thing. We can only ever describe things from our previous experience, especially with words that we've learned from our previous experience. Yeah. That would be like, like, we can't describe color to blind people well, because all we've ever done with color is with our eyes or with yeah. our experience with it. So we can't extrapolate it out any other <laughs> it way. It looks so orange. <laughs> like orange, <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> like an orange, you know, the fruit. <laughs> But that's also something I like what you say, because that's a very paranormal type of attribute that you could give it is that it's adapting specifically to the person. It's giving people custom experiences, yeah. which is always nice customer service or like yeah. terrifying customer service. Okay, next one. I recently talked to a witness, JL, who had a UFO experience and then later a winged humanoid encounter at the same location. That's right. On the evening of January 1st, 2000, JL and her son were traveling on Spring Creek Road in Rockford, Illinois. As they approached Rock Creek, they both observed a large diamond-shaped craft hovering above the creek. The craft was brightly lit and there was a distinct beam of light coming from the bottom towards the creek. JL slowed the car and the craft suddenly cut off the beam. At the same time, the craft slowly ascended into the night sky. JL and her son had lingering dreams after the incident and both started to notice paranormal activity around them. Then, on October night in 2002, around 8pm, so that's about a year and a little bit late, no, two... The math is no good. In a certain amount of time later, around 8 p.m., Gail was again driving on Spring Creek Road near Rock Creek. <laughs> 
<laughs> the important thing is it wasn't the same yeah time. this was a different time a different date <laughs> on or around she observed a winged shape approaching her head on yeah that's right a winged shape this time yeah no <laughs> some sort of shape in the middle and it had wings okay on it. okay i can get that by the time this flying anomaly got near her it swooped up and over the car A.L. states that the winged being was humanoid in shape with two leg-like structures trailing below it. Wingspan was so wide that it literally blocked out all of the street lights. He estimated that it was 6 feet in height, black in color, and had large wings approximately 12 feet in total width. She immediately stopped the car, got out, and looked down the road behind her. She stopped the car. She stopped. Like, we all agreed. this. You wouldn't do that. This isn't the woman from earlier, is it? No. Well, it could be. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's likely not. It's likely not. This is a different place in Illinois or Wisconsin. She immediately stopped the car, got out, and looked down the road behind her. Wing being had vanished, but she noticed that the trees were moving as if a huge gust of wind had gone through them. She also stated that the being never flapped its wings. It seemed to be propelled by an unknown force. Al had experienced a sense of consternation and anxiety ever since the incident, even though she now lives in Tennessee. As I think they all have after bearing witness to this. Huh. Yeah, another weird one, right? This one with a UFO. Yeah, well, and it's that... It's that feeling again, she kind of described of being watched constantly after the event again. Yeah. Did you not get that from that last little bit? Yeah. I, I don't remember it really coming up before, but uh, it kind of seems like I it is. I can't recall. In this one, no. I can't recall from the initial episode that we did at all. So I don't think I should comment on it because I can't remember. I don't know. I don't think that would ever leave me if I saw something like that. But I'm also terrified of things with wings. It would use that against me, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, it would. It would. Okay. It would just be wings. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, or a fish that's with so wings. Disturbing. Just wings. <laughs> okay. And to the point, this is going back a few stories of people seeing kind of what is in their reality. That one is distinct because I don't know if I should even be going back a couple stories. But people specifically, mostly, though there are ones with feathers. Most of the time, they're seeing bat-like, like, leathery wings look wet <laughs> in some instances. And that woman specifically saw feathers. So that's also a thing to the point of, are they, like, somehow reading minds or something to fit a certain perception a person is having? And it, it's super weird. That's definitely a paranormal attribute of it. Yeah, yeah, you got to admit that. Yeah. Also, it, it could be just the fact that a collapse or a creation of the mind is going to take on cultural backgrounds that you're yeah. used to. Yeah. Though it would be weird that a, so many mental breakdowns would incorporate a, a winged creature in this one specific or part of the world. more specifically, whether the wings are leathery or feathered, or whether the eyes yeah. glow green yellow or red or a glow at all yeah but there are psychological phenomenons that happen in specific parts of the world that are strangely specific as well like what is it called it's like the, the dancing um, one not the dancing one it's like quebec lager or something like that quebec lager syndrome one and sec let happens? me find it quick not quebec the jumping frenchman of maine is that what i'm thinking of the Jumping Frenchmen of Maine were a group of 19th century lumberjacks who exhibited a rare disorder of unknown origins. The syndrome entails an exaggerated startle reflex, 
which may be described as an uncontrollable jump. Individuals with this condition can exhibit sudden movement in all parts of the body. Jumping Frenchman syndrome shares some symptoms of other startle disorders. Okay, so that's not what I was thinking of. <laughs> but that's, also uh, proving your point a little bit because it would be something super like specific. Yeah, to just a specific part of the world. Yeah. That's uh, specifically French. I, I know there's other examples. I can't think of them off the top of my head. Yeah, no, there's for sure that that things on that tangent that came from another part of our episode brings me to my last sighting. As always, best for last, Claire and Ashley, both of whom are 18 years old, both women from Oregon, Wisconsin. Oregon, Wisconsin, I thought I said that wrong for a second, said in a phone interview with investigator Tobias Wayland that they'd seen an eight to nine foot tall creature with a wingspan of 10 to 15 feet while driving outside of town last November 26. Ashley said that she had initially seen something unusual while driving between Oregon and Stoughton on Highway 138 at around 10 p.m. that evening. Quote, I was on that road because I was going to Staunton for some stuff, she said. I was driving my car. I noticed this thing. I couldn't tell how big it was. It just looked like a black shadow. Start across the road, but it was probably a football field ahead of me. At first, I thought it was my windshield because I have cracks in my windshield, but that doesn't make sense because I've driven that road hundreds of times. I've never seen my windshield do anything like that. It was insanely fast. I was like, I think I just saw something, but I'm not going to say anything because I'll sound crazy, end quote. Later, at around 10.30 p.m., both women were going for a drive together when they say they saw a flying humanoid sweep across the road in front of them at the intersection of Sand Hill Road and Rutland Dunn Townline Road. Quote, there is a possum in the road and we stopped because we didn't want to hit it. We were driving around it and then we looked up and it was huge, like nine feet long. End quote, Claire said. Three quote. It was flying and it swooped down across the road and out of our sight. We were both like, you saw that too, right? Quote, he quote, the creature was like a quarter of a football field ahead of us. It was really close. It was way too big to be a deer. It was kind of reddish brown in color, I want to say, but it was darker. If we hadn't stopped for that possum, it would have hit our car. That thing was huge. My thought was, dear lord, it's a pterodactyl. End quote. Lamppost position in the intersection partially illuminated the being from underneath, they said, allowing them to determine its approximate color and dimensions. According to the two women, the creature was headed north. It was too high up to be illuminated by the car's headlights. Very bottom was illuminated, but we couldn't see the top of it. It wasn't fully illuminated, but light was cast on the other side. Since it was at the intersection that we normally turned at, we normally turn at that intersection because we make loops around town. Swoop from the south towards the north. When you get to the intersection, you have to turn north. And I was terrified to turn north. I didn't want to turn north. Claire described the creature as looking like Mothman and said, It looked like a very bulky person. Its limbs were a lot thicker than a human's would be, a lot bigger around. It had these absolutely huge wings. There were arms on its side, actually. I didn't know if they were arms. They were appendages on its sides. And the wings were on its shoulders or back, but I couldn't really tell. Didn't see its head when it swooped down in front of us. I didn't see any head or neck when it swooped down. They decided to continue their drive, eventually working up the courage to revisit the location of their sighting. Again, who would do that? Who stops? Who repeats the visit? Who goes back? And around 11 p.m. as they drove by the area again, Claire spotted something unusual in a nearby field. Jesus. 
Although the creature had first been seen heading north, when they returned, it was standing on the south side in a plowed down cornfield. Oh my god. We were at the point where we thought it would be gone, but then it wasn't, said Ashley. Ashley, who was driving, didn't see the creature standing in the field. Claire, however, said she saw a strange creature with very pronounced red eyes. This is so scary. I looked out the back window and the creature was standing in the field. It was almost a full moon, so it was pretty illuminated. Its head didn't look like it had a neck. It looked like it was just an extension of its body. It looked like a human had tucked their head into their shoulders. It had very pronounced red eyes. We didn't have any headlights in the back, and the only thing that would have reflected would have been the lamppost. So they were either reflecting really brightly or literally glowing. I go by that field all the time. I've never seen anything like that before or since. The woman described the creature as super fast, especially for its size. It was very fast. The wings were very, very large. The body was so stocky. Silhouette was similar to how I would describe Bigfoot, which I know I'm using other known cryptids to describe this one, but that's really what it looked like. There was no pronounced neck, but it looked very stocky. It had very large bird-like wings. I couldn't tell if it had feathers. Ashley said that she thought that the part illuminated by my headlights looked like reddish-brown fur. It was either very fine feathers or fur. I didn't really see a texture. There weren't large feathers on the body that I would have been able to see. The only thing I can say is that when I saw the silhouette of it in the field, I could see jutting off points from the wings that I would call feathers, but I really don't know. Could have just been wings shaped like that. Both women said they screamed after seeing the creature fly over the road. Claire added that she froze with fear in response to the sighting. I felt fear, yeah. There is also the element of that's not supposed to be here, Ashley said. Just know that whatever that is, it's not from around here. It's not supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah, like wrongness, added Claire. We passed that place a couple more times and the rest of the night we just got a weird there's something that shouldn't be here feeling every time we were in that area. So they repeatedly went back. I just, these are young girls. There's a lot of mistakes. <laughs> they probably happening. had the windows down yelling at yeah, us. Yeah, there's a lot of mistakes happening here. The initial sighting, they stopped at something on the road. Yeah. And they're just circling back. I just feel like these are all bad mistakes. They, like, yeah. they took the, like, book out on how to react in a horror movie. They did. They're making all the horror movie people who die first mistakes. I wonder if they know that. Yeah. yeah. And two young girls, like, yeah, that, that really does seem like the first victim. Yeah, and I'm right really loving their description of all of these things that are going on as well. <laughs> they both also noticed that other unusual phenomenon happened happening that same evening such as deer moving away from the spot where they had seen the creature and unusual interference on the car's radio i mean they drove past the place like 15 times now they're making detailed notes of what's going on in this specific area all night quote this was the weirdest thing that i noticed it was way earlier <laughs> it was probably on their first circle around but it counts for the whole night basically we kept seeing deer crossing the road, Ashley says. Almost ran into two different deer on two different sides of town. Usually if I see a deer at all, it's one deer at night. Oregon does not get a lot of deer. And I saw over seven deer that night. And we saw a whole herd running away from that spot. Hold on. What time of year is this? This one doesn't say the time. November 26. Okay, so it's that season. Yeah, that's deer season. Deer season. That yep, that's sure deer season. So not that weird, I would say. The deer were freaked out. They were running away. They were panicky, added Claire. 
radio, said Claire. It kept glitching like crazy. And it hasn't really done that before, he says. It was cutting in and out, getting staticky, and then picking up another channel that was on some gospel program. I know what channel that is, and it's very far away from the channel we were on. He added that the radio would glitch only when we drove by that spot. Only a few days later, on the evening of November 29th, Claire said she had another unusual sighting in literally the same place. Yeah, she's going, she loves that place. She drives by like she five does. times she, a day. She to- really, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Quote, I saw a shadow on the road because we drive the same route every day we drive. And then five more times just to be safe, she said. I saw a shadow that looked like it. She didn't actually say that. I should clarify that because I'm <laughs> quoting. And it sounded like she said it. I saw a shadow that, this is actually her talking. I saw a shadow that looked like it and then something run into the trees. All I could really tell was that it was winged and very, very big, but I couldn't give you a definite shape. Similarly to the sighting reported by Claire and Ashley, a man in Woodstock, Illinois reported a sighting of an eight to nine foot tall being covered in dark fur with large wings on February 22, 2019. A witness said that he thought the creature may have been Bigfoot initially, but then noticed that it had a large set of membrane wings attached to the back, extending over the top of its head. Investigators Tobias and Emily Whalen visited both the Woodstock sightings area in 2019 and the area in which Claire and Ashley said they had their encounter only a few weeks ago. Investigators went to the site of Claire and Ashley's encounter twice. You must go more than once. First time at approximately 10.30 p.m. and again around 2 p.m. about a week later. They didn't notice any radio interference in either time. However, upon review of the footage they recorded during their initial visit, they did notice some very unusual audio interference on both cameras used during the investigation. Same interference was present upon the review of the footage taken on their second trip, though it was much lighter. Strangely, the interference was only recorded in the immediate area of the sighting. Investigators were unable to find any signs of large satellite dishes, ham radio towers, or other equipment in the area that might be responsible for the interference. A variety of reasons that I included that sighting. The major one is they're both sighting Bigfoot, as it, it's looking like Bigfoot, yeah. which I thought was, was a good one. And there's just a lot going on with this one that they first have an up-close encounter. Yeah, it's multiple sightings with two, the exact same people. Yeah, and it's just super creepy. Like, it's up-close and per- what is that, like, close encounter of the second kind? No, that's third. Yeah, yeah, well... Kind of. But then, I have to look, think back. Then, yeah. And then they come back and it's out in the field. Like, how creepy is that? Like, usually with these paranormal things, it's like a one-off, but then you circle back around because yeah. you're curious. You're like, there's no way that thing is still there waiting for me. And there it is. With yeah, no, and they continuously the circle field. back and, and continuously talk about <laughs> the things that are just off about the environment, which, I yeah, may what. not be. But at the same time, it is interesting that on this night, so many things seem off repeatedly. Yeah. Because they always do seem like one-off events. Yeah, they do. Except in my episode, I had a few where they're encountering, they're having more than one encounter with them, which is another thing that I hadn't really run into with this before. And I found actually a couple encounters where they run into the same being a few times. The one with the holy lady and the one with these two girls. And they also draw a comparison to a pterodactyl, which also drew me in. And that's the end of my episode. I don't think I have any 
questions to go with this. Like they're just bizarre sightings that like, I, I just love that these, these are sightings outside of the norm. What people they expect are. people to be. They seen are. Like. And of course, I'm not going to give you just the, you know, man looks outside and sees typical Mothman sitting in tree. I went for ones. And or Elvis. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I went for ones that, that are going to give you a little bit more, you know, fear when you go to sleep tonight because you feel like something's watching you now. Yeah, and that closet light now needs exactly. to Exactly. Exactly. That's what I went for. Yeah, and specifically, I do believe that we're probably a pre-sleep or sleeping podcast sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad everybody here has now participated in this episode. <laughs> But for now, I have been Taylor here with Chelsea. We have been Journey to the Fringe. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. Uh